Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome to an honest review of 2018's Hereditary, possibly one of the most controversial horror films ever made. There's going to be some spoilers ahead, so you have been warned. But before we actually jump into the episode, there's a mandatory reminder for everyone listening that you can follow us on all podcast services, as well as YouTube, so you can enjoy the video episodes or the audio episodes, whichever one takes your fancy. Thanks for listening, and let's get straight into the film. Kofi, what's the plot about, mate? This film was about loads of paranormal activity and the supernatural. The main character's mum passes away and we delve deep into loads of paranormal and supernatural stuff. There's a really creepy child, some fantastic acting and dark scenes. What did you guys think about it? Do you want me to give that another little go for you, Kofi, yeah, mate? Yeah, yeah, you can do that probably. I was feeling you were going to, Stuart. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, how about I don't? Because I fucking love this film. Absolutely agreed. It, it's fucking... Wow. I've got nothing for you. <laughs> it was so good we can't talk about it. Yeah, it's a bit odd, and if you don't keep up with it, you're going to have absolutely no idea what the hell was going on. Especially at the end, you will literally go from, oh, what a nice family, to fuck me, why is she flying? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, a lot of subtlety involved that slowly comes out throughout the entire film. There's just so much like weaved throughout it that you have to watch it multiple times to notice the things happening. Yeah, you can't like look away because there's like a lot of tiny details in this film. It'd be hard to like jump backwards and forwards all over the film. But like, hey, it's something I've been wanting to do for ages. To all of the people who've watched Hereditary who did not understand what the fuck it was about, there's literally a scene in this film where Annie, the mom, opens a book and it is high highlighted in fucking green like highlighter <laughs> exactly what the plot is they even underline it in Byro at the bottom about yeah, why yeah, it would specifically want a male host right like yeah. yeah it's literally there and there's even pictures of him like holding severed heads and stuff isn't there yeah <laughs> Exactly, yeah. It even tells you at the very end of the film that Payman's like one of the eight kings of yeah, hell. Yeah. It's, it tells you that. <laughs> you've got a family. You've got Annie, the mum, the dad, Steve, the daughter, Charlie, and the son, Peter. Annie's mum. Like, it's her funeral at the start of the film. And as the film goes on, we start to learn that this family is part of a cult who worship this demon, King Payman, who was like the god of mischief, one of the eight kings of hell. And because Payman likes being in a male body, it prefers male hosts. There's bits of dialogue throughout the film which hint Payman passing through the family. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called hereditary. It's like a hereditary yeah, yeah. demon. Annie goes to like a grief counselling session and she starts talking about how her dad died when she was a baby from like starving himself and then her brother, another male family member, had schizophrenia, hung himself. It says there that like the brother had schizophrenia and would always go on about the grandma always trying to put people inside of him. Yeah, yeah. It's so subtle because you think Annie's just talking about history of her family, but it's not. It's talking about the payment plot without making you even realise yeah, it at yeah. first. He makes you think it's meant about mental illness, but it's actually about like, hereditary hell, pretty much. Yeah. Once it's inside a horse, you have to like perform a ritual to unlock it out of the horse and then perform another ritual to lock it into another one, which is like what the ritual at the end of the film is. It's really fucking clever. Like It just slowly gives you these little bits of plot. Even the the daughter right the daughter's name was Charlie because well they thought it was a boy when she was pregnant right and then when she gave birth it turned out it was actually a girl so the grandma was disappointed by that and said she always wanted a grandson didn't she so yeah yeah it's just that like clever foreshadowing of everything and like there's a load of like symbols isn't there and um, there's like words written on walls in the house that you don't necessarily notice until you've watched it loads of times and it's all interconnected even though yeah. none of it seems to be connected uh, completely 
like you know right at the beginning I think uh, you, you watch the camera work it, it zooms into a dollhouse and then it, the inside of that dollhouse becomes the real scene and then that links in partly I think to the demons all pretty much playing with the whole family as puppets that control everything yeah. I mm-hmm. think great point you know when Charlie goes to the party with her brother and she eats some cake that she's allergic to she starts choking and then he has to drive off to go to the hospital on the way she's struggling to breathe opens the window and sticks her head out and then he sees an animal in the road and swerves but decapitates her by smashing into a lamppost in the funeral the grandma's wearing like a necklace right and we later find out that's like the sign of payment right Mm -hmm. and she has it in her house and stuff but actually on that pole that decapitates Charlie the sign of payment is like etched into it yeah it's just another little subtlety isn't it it was almost sealed in fate that that was going to happen at that exact moment Uh, he decapitates his sister and then he goes home and just gets in bed doesn't he and leaves Mm. her in the car for a mum to find like fucking hell it just shows how how messed up he is and it shows in the the rest of the film he's, he's pretty much open to payment getting in easier payment preys on the weakest one to then yeah, take yeah, as the like host the most so vulnerable yeah it was almost like they were like beating him down and then he was like that lonely like stoner type anyway but then obviously like you know the guilt from his sister's death and then that drives a wedge between him and the family and the mum ends up like saying that she wishes she never had him yeah yeah and then yeah. obviously the mum's having those like sleepwalking episodes where he keeps thinking she's like trying to hurt him the fucking mum Jesus Christ she put in a shift in this film yep. mm. Tony Collette I love this performance she feels so authentic in how she reacts to the death of Charlie when she's just on her bedroom floor screaming like oh I, I just want to die that's a feeling that I would expect a parent to have if they lost the child it's very very realistic <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah. there's not a single jump scare in it it'll never show you something and just go bang and then that's the end of it there's one quite early on where Annie just she's like reading her mum's book on spirituality and then there's like a letter addressed to Annie but as soon as she's read it she turns the light off and it's just the silhouette of her mum in the corner of the room yeah it's just grand isn't it just looking back smiling and it doesn't go bang or anything like that it just shows you her that for me was so like unsettling there's like one bit that I think the mum's like crawled up the ceiling on the in the night oh and she's just attached to the fucking corner of the ceiling yeah yeah, it doesn't draw your attention to her being up there. She just is. So when you notice yeah. it, you're like, what the fuck? The main sort of issue that a lot of people who who like the standard kind of insidious or conjuring, that kind of possession film that you see like all the time, it's the same kind of format in a different skin. This particular film, Hereditary, is like so different. Yeah. And yeah. it does take a bit of focus and it does take like thinking about what they've seen and like trying to piece things together. A hundred percent. You have to watch it a, a, a multiple times to... To, to completely understand it don't you I think to completely understand it you do but like even on the first watch I think the bit with the book where it explains payment and then the little speech at the end of the film explaining who payment is at like the ritual I think that's like enough to have like an overall idea but all the tiny details that come with that just enhance it you genuinely have to be invested for the two hours that you're going to sit and watch this for right yeah yeah, mm-hmm. definitely man especially the ending <laughs> yeah let's get into it well it just ramps up so quickly at the end doesn't it Oh, yeah. When Steve finds the body in the attic, from that point onwards, that's when the speed just goes fucking full throttle. He gets angry, and then she's like, "Um, I've thrown this diary in the fire, and it burnt me. Like, I was attached to it because I am attached to it, and, oh, my God, it's crazy. I just need you to throw it in the fire because then that won't won't happen. And and then they get annoyed at each other. Suddenly, she throws it in the fire, and then he just... 
boom, burst into flames and you're like, fuck, where the fuck did that come from? But it, it completely fits and it's just amazing. But yeah, it just, it just ramps up and then all of a sudden she's just like cutting her own head off. Oh God, oh, yeah, her me. fucking expression, the way she stares at Peter when she's doing that is freaky as fuck. She gets faster and faster and faster and faster with this fucking like wire and the music's just escalating up, 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 up. And then suddenly there's just a really tiny clink. All the music stops, Peter looks away and it's just three naked people waving at him in the corner. It fucked with me, that. It hadn't really explained like it was a big cult. It had just explained mm. that like the gran was into it and then obviously you had that Joan or whatever her name was that was like pulling them into it more and like helping set things up. But like all of the other people were never really explained. They were just there. But if you watch it the second time, you'll see them at the beginning because they're all at the funeral. They're all at the they, funeral, yeah. yeah and yeah. they even comment that they don't know who everyone is at the funeral, yeah, don't they? Yeah. And she comments about her, her mum being into things that like they never spoke of and she had dark secrets and things like that, didn't she? So, mm -hmm. But that ending seems quite well shot, you know, with all, all of them like praying at Peter's feet. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it's a really well put together scene that like visually is just beautiful. Yeah, Charlie's decapitated heads like on a sort of mannequin thing. Yeah. With like a crown on it holding a scepter and then you've got the headless corpse of the grandmother and the headless corpse of Annie like worshipping the statue with Charlie's head on it. It is beautiful like you say Stu but in like a macabre way. Yeah, it actually is art to be honest. It is, yeah, it really is. Yeah, that, that like that whole scene and just the way it's put together and like the lighting and the dark space around it and just how it's framed is just really like well put together. I think a lot of the people that criticise it haven't necessarily really understood the plot fully. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You can't just sit there like, you know, having a chat with your friends while it's on in the background <laughs> no and then be like, yeah, I've seen that film. But like, yeah, it's clever and it's good and it's interesting. I think what I like about it is that it just was its own thing and I haven't really seen any films that are like this or felt like this anyway. So I think that's why I quite enjoyed it as well. It felt like a fresh take on, on something. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have expected it to be like a normal film. So throughout the entirety, they, they wouldn't have been paying attention to the subtle things that were happening through it. So when it got to the end, they're like, well, what, where, where did that come from? But it really is set up slowly throughout the film and it, you have to take note of everything inside it. Yeah, I would agree as well. Like for me personally, like this is probably my favourite horror film of the last, maybe the last 20 years. I think the script's really solid. The acting's brilliant. I love the direction, the cinematography, the colour grading, like everything like that. It just all ties together so well. This is a different kind of horror. It's a more psychological one. It's got more to it than just being a horror. It's kind of like a family drama at the same time. A story about the conflict of that family and their loss and their grief and the history they have been through. It's it's just a great fucking film. <laughs> uh, so yes, Ghoul Gang, what did you make of Hereditary? Are you one of the billion people who fucking despise it or one of the four people who actually like it? Uh, <laughs> the three of them are us. <laughs> yeah, and you're the, the other one. The director. <laughs> the director. There you go, that was our honest review of 2018's Hereditary. Thanks for watching Ghoul Gang and join us next time for another honest review. Uh, subscribe to the channel please if you're on youtube subscribe to whatever podcast service that you're on right now and keep supporting us thank you very much yay <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs>